The following podcast is a deep, shallow dive production. Okay, let's go. Welcome to this PBS News special report, President Biden's address to the nation. I'm Amna Nawaz. And I'm Jeff Bennett. Nearly two weeks ago, Hamas terrorists attacked Israel with deadly surprise raids. Israel has responded with unrelenting airstrikes in Gaza. Since then, the violence has escalated and the death toll has mounted with more than 5,000 killed on both sides. President Biden has just returned from a trip to Israel. He was also scheduled to meet in Jordan with its leader, King Abdullah, as well as with the leaders of the Palestinian Authority and of Egypt. But after an explosion at a hospital in Gaza and conflicting reports of who is to blame, Palestinian officials pointing to the Israelis, U.S. and Israeli officials saying intelligence shows the rocket came from Gaza, that Jordan summit was scuttled. Tonight, President Biden is expected to speak about the U.S. response to this war and the other war that has been a global focus for nearly nearly two years, the war in Ukraine. Hey, everybody. Happy Monday. I hope everybody had a nice weekend. You know, I wanted to... Actually, let's just jump right into it. This is just too much going on. I wanted to start off with that clip from PBS, and I can't even believe I watch and listen to PBS now. (laughs) I mean, that's ridiculous. I watch and listen to PBS. Oh, my goodness. And C-SPAN. I'm going to drop some C-SPAN into this episode a little later. My, oh, my, have times changed. But, hey, you know what? It is what it is, and, and I'm glad because I have to say I didn't end up doing an episode on Friday because, honestly, this is just a lot. This is so much. There's so much going on with this. First of all, thank you to everybody that sent me stuff. I'm not kidding. I think that that episode with my buddy Lee has opened up the floodgates, and I love that. And please keep sending me things. Please keep sending me anything you think I should look at. You can do that directly if we know each other. Otherwise, you can find me on social media. Deep Shallow Dive has its own page on Instagram. We actually now have a Facebook group page. So if you go and look for Deep Shallow Dive, there's a Facebook group page. There's actually some pretty interesting conversations going on there. Obviously, Instagram, at Deep Shallow Dive on TikTok. And then the YouTube channel is up and running as well. Right now, you can catch audio-only versions of these podcasts. So if you're a big YouTube person, just search Deep Shallow Dive and you can find all of these episodes, all 40, well, 41 with today's, and you can listen to an audio-only version and then video is going to be coming soon. But anyway, please keep sending stuff because... I I just can't even keep up. I mean, there is so many things. There are so many things to look at and so many data points and so many narratives and so many conflicting stories. It's, It's overwhelming. It truly is. So anyway, thank you again to everybody that continues to send me things to look at. And so I really did. I took Friday and the weekend to try and just get myself caught up. You know, I will say another thing. 
I'm I'm trying to see who you know. I've been very critical about the the right conservative pundits coverage of this. Again, people from Ben Shapiro to Dan Bongino to Clay Travis, Buck Sexton, Megyn Kelly. You know anybody that, quite frankly, is on the right side. Which again, I have to make this point: they are championing all the left side constituents cause in this, which is interesting. But I've been very critical of those guys because again, you know, I I don't, I don't mind their take. What I don't like is zero empathy for the Palestinian people. And I'll give you a perfect example because I had this discussion over the weekend with a friend of mine. We were talking about that just incredibly sad six-year-old boy that was stabbed 26 times by his landlord in Chicago. And he said, well, you know, why were you so critical of Clay Travis on that? And I said, I was critical of Clay Travis on that because he did not say, hey, you know what? This is terrible. This was a six-year-old boy that lost his life. And instead, he you know, he just flipped the script and went after Mehdi Hassan and what Mehdi's take was about it. And again, you know, I understand people have their their opinions, but I, I will tell you after today is part eight of this. And by the way, I decided to do 10. And then from there, we've got to give this a break and just kind of see what plays out. But after eight episodes, today being number eight, if you are a hundred percent I stand with Israel or a hundred percent I stand with Palestine. I think that's a mistake. There is God, it's like everything in life. There's two sides, there really is two sides to every story. And you have to look at this and try and figure out and call a spade a spade and figure out who's doing what right who's doing what wrong and then and then try and figure out a solution the problem right now is and this is why i was critical of clay travis who again was somebody that that i've liked is that i didn't feel like well actually i felt like all he should have done was say hey you know what this is a terrible situation a 6 year old innocent child in Chicago of all places lost his life because of something that happened 5,000 miles away that he has no idea about. And that's awful. And then go ahead, launch into whatever direction you want to take, but at least recognize that. And he didn't. And, and, and nobody is, you know, everybody is just literally picking a side and I don't think that's right. But the one guy that is honestly, I think, providing the best coverage of this is Pierce Morgan. So if you, I'm blanking on the name of his show, I'll try to find it. But obviously, I watch it on YouTube. I forget the name of his show. But if you just type in Pierce Morgan on YouTube, it'll come up. He's doing a, he's doing a very fair job. He's bringing in people on the Israeli side. He's bringing in people on the Palestinian side. And I will say, um, when he interviews the folks on the Palestinian side, I mean, they come in there with venom against him. And I really applaud how he keeps his cool and keeps his composure during that. But there's some really good interviews. I'm going to reference them in a couple other 
in in a in the next episode because I actually want to watch him again. But of all the guys so far providing what I think is the best, I guess, two-sided coverage for both parties, it would be Pierce Morgan. So we're going to focus today's episode on three things. Obviously, we're going to continue talking about this situation in Israel and Palestine, but I also want to talk about and play some things in regards to the State of the Union address from President Biden, and then also how that relates to the ongoing, I guess, just ridiculousness that's going on in the House of Representatives where they're trying to replace Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who got fired on his day off, and it has now come to Jim Jordan, who's a congressman from Ohio, and ironically, the person I said several episodes ago, I think he would make the best choice, but he keeps losing. He's gone up for it three times, but I'm going to connect some dots, and this will be interesting to get thoughts on this because... What I feel like is happening is exactly that continuing resolution and omnibus stuff we talked about, meaning, you know, it's it's another way to kick the can down the road like we did back in Chesterland, Ohio, and basically make it to where because of the urgency of time and just, oh my God, now we need money for Israel. Okay, let's pass this, you know, continuing resolution and let's lump everything into this 12 gajillion page omnibus bill and let's dump it on all these Congress people's desk at nine o'clock at night and we're voting the next day at eight in the morning. And nobody reads it. Nobody does anything. They guilt everybody and the American people into saying, oh, if you don't pass this, there's no money for the troops. There's no money for this. There's no money for that. And so all of a sudden, once again, through continuing resolution, you end up passing these ginormous spending bills that lump in so many things we have no idea about. So I'm going to connect some dots with that. And I think, I ah, I hope it's interesting. You know, it kind of came to me when I was trying to piece this episode together. All right. So if you did not listen to the State of the Union address, I will put a link in the show notes or the episode description. And honestly, I could have done an entire episode on that, but I'm not going to. But I do want you to listen to this. Put all that at risk if we walk away from Ukraine, if we turn our backs on Israel, it's just not worth it. That's why tomorrow I'm going to send to Congress an urgent budget request to fund America's national security needs, to support our critical partners, including Israel and Ukraine. It's a smart investment that's going to pay dividends for American security for generations. Help us keep American troops out of harm's way. Help us build a world that is safer, more peaceful, more prosperous for our children and grandchildren. In Israel, we must make sure that they have what they need to protect their people today and always. The security package I'm sending to Congress and asking Congress to do is an unprecedented commitment to Israel's security that will sharpen Israel's qualitative military edge, which we've committed to, the qualitative military edge. 
we're going to make sure Iron Dome continues to guard the skies over Israel. Really quick, this is calling a spade a spade. This is the same Iron Dome that two weeks ago a bunch of hang gliders penetrated. We're going to make sure other hostile actors in the region know that Israel is stronger than ever and prevent this conflict from spreading. Look, at the same time, President Netanyahu and I discussed again yesterday the critical need for Israel to operate by the laws of war. That means protecting civilians in combat as best as they can. And the people of Gaza urgently need food, water, and medicine. Yesterday, in discussions with the leaders of Israel and Egypt, I secured an agreement for the first shipment of humanitarian assistance from the United Nations to Palestinian civilians in Gaza. If Hamas does not divert or steal this shipment, these shipments, we're going to provide an opening for sustained delivery of life-saving humanitarian assistance for the Palestinians. All right, that's all I'm going to play from that piece. Okay, so on the ending, I mean, again, this is where stuff just doesn't add up for me. You know, he said, if Hamas promises, like Kinky promises, not to steal the supplies we're sending for humanitarian efforts, then we'll we'll keep sending them. But you guys have to pinky promise Hamas. You really have to promise us that you're not going to take that. You know, this is just ridiculous. Out of one side of the mouth across the board, you know, they paint Hamas out and probably deservedly so as just barbaric animals. I mean, you've heard that term barbaric when it comes to this so many times. So then how can you expect them to be like, oh, hey, oh, what is that? Food and water? Okay. Okay. That's for you guys. Oh, okay. No problem. Yeah. We're not going to take that then. Like this is where you've got to really like read between the lines with this stuff. And this to me is where like, I don't know, it causes me to doubt everything because that doesn't make sense. You know, if these terrorists are truly the the absolute animals and barbarians, well, the second you bring humanitarian supplies in, of course they're going to take them. Why is it that all of a sudden you think they're going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, you know what, we're going to murder your women and children, but... Oh yeah, that sparkling water. No, no, no. You guys go ahead and enjoy that. It's really good, by the way. Try the uh, strawberry mango. It's really, it's really refreshing on a hot day. And then the other thing, when it comes to Hamas, you know, the narrative about Hamas is that they they live among the the civilians, and they have literally like disguised themselves to live among the civilians, and that's why it makes it so hard to, you know, um, separate. Hamas between the civilians. And so when something happens and let's say civilians are injured, you know, it's, it's because, oh, well, we just can't tell who's who because they live among the civilians. So how on earth do you expect humanitarian aid and money that comes in to not get taken by Hamas? You know, again, they're barbarians. I don't understand how they're going to make a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're going to make an exception for, for food and water. You know, that's the stuff that, that doesn't add up, obviously. And then 
you know, you're not going to notice it though, unless you're looking for it. And if you're looking for it, which I hope everybody now is starting to look at things a little bit differently, hopefully, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? All right, so I'm going to play something else for you, but before I want to set it up. So the one thing I notice the most in his State of the Union address is he is completely intertwining Israel and Ukraine now. It's like conjoined twins, the two-headed monster, whatever you want to call it. But basically, he is grouping the two of them. So now, you know, think about that. Now, instead of just needing money for one, we need we need to send money to both and let's combine them. You know, Putin is Hamas. Those two are, you know, the same version of the enemy. You know, you always have to have a big bad wolf. You know, every every protagonist needs an antagonist. And so now you put Hamas in the role that Putin's played for the past two years. And again, these two are now being grouped together. So give this a listen from PBS's after debate analysis. And what we just heard from the president there, joining those two nations and their current wars in, in this way, weaving them together in this way. Why? What do we know from the White House about why the president wanted to address both of those nations and the wars in this way right now and to the American public directly? So first, Amna, I want to acknowledge, because you can probably hear that there is a small group of protesters just outside the White House gates, very close to me. They're protesting uh, President Biden sending more aid to Israel and calling for a ceasefire in the conflict. So you may be able to hear that right now. But what I really took away was exactly what you said, Amna, which was that the president wanted to explain to the American people why these two conflicts, although they might appear different, uh, that they... That they have some similarities, trying to say that uh, that essentially um, Hamas and Putin may be different, but they are attacking neighboring democracies, attempting to, he used the words, annihilate neighboring democracies. And we know that one of the main priorities of this president is to really bring home the fact that any attack on democracies abroad could also reach the home front and be attacks on democracies here and spread well beyond the borders of Israel or well beyond the borders of attacks on Ukraine. Okay, so she kind of echoed my sentiment. And then the other thing is, you know, I'm definitely noticing a theme with the word democracy. That word seems to be omnipresent everywhere. But as far as how much you ask, well, let me tell you. And let's go to Lisa Desjardins, because Lisa, as you well know, President Biden is delivering this address on the eve of his administration, sending a funding request to Congress. I'm told that the top line number for that is somewhere in the area of $100 billion, $60 billion for Ukraine, $40 billion split among Taiwan, Israel, and funding for the U.S. southern border to help stem the tide of migrants across the southern border. How is that expected to land on Capitol Hill? The Republican Senate leader, Mitch McConnell, has already expressed some support for it, but how, how is that going to land within the Republican House conference? So let's connect the dots. Continuing resolution. Omnibus. That's exactly what that is. Think about it. So now you've got this, you know, code red 
you know, catastrophe situation. Oh my God, immediate action is needed. If you do not support this, you are, I don't know, an anti-Semite, are you? If you don't support sending money over to Israel, if you don't support sending money over to Ukraine, I I like how they lumped Taiwan in there. You know, we haven't talked about what's going on in Taiwan versus China, but that'll be something we'll talk about. And then the southern border, the southern border is in there. So again, you know, this is a little bit of that connect the dots and hopefully, I guess, just just improving our collective overall understanding and education about all this stuff. But it really crystallized for me this weekend when I was looking through all this stuff and I was like, oh my God, this is exactly it. This is how the game is played. This is really how the game is played. You've got this crisis situation and now again, through the concept of an omnibus bill and going with this continuing resolution, which again, think about that as instead of voting on things one at a time individually, you lump everything into one big group. This is continuing resolution and omnibus in one. You lump it all into one big group and then it's an all or nothing vote. And again, you you create an emotional attachment or an emotional significance to voting no against it, such as the troops can't get paid or, you know, X, Y, Z will happen to women and children. And that's how this stuff happens. That's how this game is played. You know, it really is this, this, this to me, I don't know. I mean, tell me how you guys feel. Tell me if, if this connected some dots for you, for those of you that have, you know, been loyal listeners, which I appreciate. And you've heard me talk about these various topics. What do you think? Do you think this is this is really, I guess, the dots getting connected or not? Let me know. I'd love to hear that. Lastly on that, <laughs> I, I forgot to say this when I was talking about it earlier, but the southern border, you know, I, I thought there was no problem. Think about that. Literally, for the past nine months or maybe a year up until recently, there was a complete denial that we there even is a problem with the southern border. And now all of a sudden, you know, whether it's uh, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, or, you know, other other mayors and governors from sanctuary cities and sanctuary states, now all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, this is a major problem. What are you talking about? We can't, we can't house all these people. We can't feed all these people. Whereas nine months ago, it was like, bring them. Yeah, we take everybody. You know, this is, this is racist that we're not letting, you know, immigrants into the country and we're, there is no problem at the Southern border. Anyway, that's going to be a whole different episode. I I really want to dive into that. I haven't given that a tremendous amount of attention, but I will. Okay. So the last thing I'm going to say on this, connecting the dots back to Jim Jordan and what's going on with the, the speaker of the house vote. So Jim Jordan is absolutely and has been a strong voice against, you know, the blank check writing and funding of Ukraine. He's absolutely been one of the the top Republicans who's like, hey, what the heck is going on here? Him and Rand Paul, those guys have been very boisterous. Patrick, Mah- Patrick McHenry, 
who is like, I guess, the temporary speaker right now, who was handpicked by Kevin McCarthy. This guy is another Kevin McCarthy clone. And as we established in the episodes where we talked about him, you know, Kevin McCarthy is a continuing resolution guy. He's an omnibus guy. He's a career politician. He's somebody that just, you know, makes it look like he's working on behalf of, you know, the people when fundamentally he's just kicking the can down the road. And by the way, this Patrick McHenry guy, this guy is like, like his disciple. So it makes total sense to me now. This is another connecting of the dots situation. And when I looked at the list of Republicans who said no on Jim Jordan, it's it's all the guys that are warmongers. It's all the guys that absolutely are bureaucracy. You know, they just want to like appease who needs to be appeased. And like I said, kick the can down the road. God, this stuff is really starting to make sense to me. Let me know if it makes sense to you. Seriously, I, I'm very curious to get people's thoughts about these connecting dots when it comes to the situation between, you know, now Israel lumped in with Ukraine. Do you agree with that? Also, Speaker of the House, do you think there's there's any... I guess dot connecting that goes into why they keep they keep uh, refusing Jim Jordan because he doesn't want to have a blank a blank paycheck or not a paycheck a blank checkbook for funding of Ukraine. He questions all that stuff. So why not try and not let him become the Speaker of the House and go with Patrick McHenry, who is going to go along with all that? He will continue. You know, he's basically Kevin McCarthy 2.0. All right, next thing I'm going to play for you, a friend of mine from Atlanta sent me this because I think it's an Atlanta-based account or an Atlanta-based person. I actually couldn't even get get the name of who said it, but I do want to play it because I think it's worth listening to and I think it's interesting. And you know what's funny? God, every day I wake up and I'm like, okay, maybe it's enough is enough with craziness. Let's get back to life like it was in 2019 or 2018. And... You know, I, I've hung on to that hope really for three years now, and I can honestly say after listening to this, which I'm about to play for you, I don't, I don't think that hope exists anymore. I don't think things are just going to get better and get back to quote unquote normal. I really don't. I really don't. And I think there's crazy things that are going to continue to happen. And like I've said in previous episodes, it's like one thing after another, after another, after another, after another. And I'm hoping that that ends and things get back to normal, but I truly don't think it ever is going to, or at least not for a while. And, and that, that, that's, that's not good. And I hate to be negative like that, but that is, that is truly how I feel. All right, give this a listen. World War III is not going to be started by Russia and Ukraine war. It's not going to be started by Taiwan and, um, and China war. It's going to be started over the controversy of Zion. It's going to be started over the oppression that, or the yoke that the Israeli government is going to put on the Palestinians. 
You understand what's about to happen? What's about to happen in the next following days and weeks and months? You're going to see what's going to happen to the Palestinians. The, the Israeli government is about to occupy that land. Okay, because remember, what they always wanted. They always wanted Gaza. They always wanted the land. They always wanted the temple. You understand? But because of public opinion, they couldn't just go take it. But guess what? In, in Hezbollah attacking, and they say they killed 600 people, now they have public opinion to do what? To go and occupy the land and put a yoke on the Palestinians and bring them under bondage. You understand what I'm saying? And oppress them. You all understand? Man, that brother was deep. It really was. I'm going to try and find out who that was and see what else they have to say about things. Because honestly, that was a, that was a deep clip. I mean, that was, that was really insightful in many ways. And, you know, we'll see. This guy could be Nostradamus. But he did say Hezbollah. I think he meant Hamas. And you know what? That reminds me. I am now going to play that clip I had made that my friend Paul told me not to play because I couldn't fly because I think now it's okay if I play it. So anyway, give this a listen. This just is a good top line understanding of <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like Islamic terrorist organization for dummies, basically. And it'll give you a top line understanding of the five groups Hamas, Hezbollah, the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS. Those are kind of the five. So right now, the only two in play here in this current situation is Hamas, and then Hezbollah has not come into play technically yet, but they're, if, if things start to get worse, like if Israel really does mount a ground invasion and they start marching tanks into Gaza... Actually, you know what? I've been wanting to play this again, but let me play that interview with the head of the Foreign Service Committee and Maria Bartiroma because it's a perfect, it'll make more sense now after hearing what we just heard. Let's get to this message that Iran sent to Israel on Saturday night, stressing that it does not want further escalation in the in the war. And it said that if it sees Israel go in in this ground attack, which we are expecting, they will have to intervene and Israel will face a quote unquote uh, earthquake. Frightening. This is the nightmare scenario we've always uh, been worried about. Uh, Israel, there's no question they're going to go into Gaza. It's their 9-11. There's no question they're going to go into Gaza. It's their 9-11. This is, this is, uh, this is 9-11 again. They want justice. They're going to go in and take out Hamas, which is like ISIS. That By the way, just for clarity, and you'll realize this when I play the other clip, Hamas is not like ISIS. Again, they're two terrorist organizations, but as funny as this might sound, they're they're very different terrorists. It feels weird even saying that, but again, you have to keep this stuff clear. You really do. You have to keep this stuff clear because it's so easy for misinformation to be compounded on top of one another. You know, I went to that kibbutz where they killed all the little children there and decapitated them. 
It's going to happen. So then what is Iran going to do? Are they just going to help their proxies like Hezbollah and, and others? Or are they going to get directly involved in this conflict? Either way, Maria, you know, my committee is charged with war and peace. My committee has the power to declare war or issue an authorized use of military force. We don't want to do that. But if this escalates, that's what worries me the most. Tell me what you're referring to. Are you saying that the United States will have to get involved? Well, if we want to stop, say, Israel from obliterating Iran. All right. Again, I swear this is not bias, me saying this, but there's no way Israel by themselves can obliterate Iran. They, there's no way. So, like, why would he even say that? Uh, yes. And that would be a question for the American people. Uh, do we want to get involved to defend Israel? Uh, right now, we're just providing weapons and training. We're not involved. We're not firing our, our missiles from our destroyer ships in the Mediterranean. Uh, but the minute that happens, it does trigger the War Powers Act. And so uh, that's why we have to be so careful here and pray that it does not escalate to that level, um, because uh, what would follow after that would be very um, bloody. It sounds like you expect this escalation to happen. All right. I don't know if this is just my interpretation. I thought that was weird for her to say that. Like, yeah, I didn't like what he said, but I didn't interpret that the way Maria Bartiroma did. It was like, after all that, she's like, oh, so we're going to World War III, it sounds like. I don't know. Let me know if you interpreted it that way. I think the Hezbollah one will as soon as they, Israel goes into Gaza. <clears throat> That's the nightmare scenario that I talked about the Situation Room is how can Hezbollah not go in when these, uh, the narratives come out? Hamas is very good at propaganda, as you've seen. And they're going to blame all this on Israel, even though they took the, they drew first blood. They were the ones that went in. Right to this massacre, 9-11 style. It's their fault, not Israel's. But when Israel responds, they get blamed for it. And then Hezbollah gets involved with all their rockets. Right. And then if Iran gets in, in there, then we're, we're talking about issues of war and peace. Congressman, thank you. We're going to be watching, and your leadership is so important right now. We appreciate your time. Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman, Congressman Thanks, Michael Maria. McCall. Thank you, sir. This is not good, man. This is not good. We've got the wrong people making the wrong decisions. I'm telling you, I, I do not get a good vibe about any of this. All right, let me play for you terrorist organization for dummies. Okay, let's go. The Taliban are an Islamist military organization which ruled Afghanistan from 1996 until 2001. They believe in a hardline interpretation of Sharia law and want to restore their strict approach to the governance of the country. Al-Qaeda has been around since the late 1980s. U.S. intelligence had their eye on them way before 9-11 because they'd been linked to several attacks, including a 1992 bombing at a hotel in Yemen, a truck bomb that blew up at the World Trade Center, simultaneous attacks on American embassies in Tanzania and Kenya, and the bombing of a U.S. Navy destroyer. So what was driving Al-Qaeda? Well, to understand that, we have to understand Osama bin Laden. I'll give you a hint. They're based in Lebanon, they're stronger than the Lebanese army, and they're obsessed with Israel, and not in a good way. 
That's right. I'm talking about Hezbollah. So who are these guys? Well, more specifically, who is this guy? And why does he say stuff like this? And why is a group based in Lebanon so bent on destroying Israel? The answer is a little more complicated than you might expect. So get comfortable and let me draw back the curtain on the world's most powerful non-state actor. Hamas itself is a fundamentalist Islamic resistance movement that's recognized as a terrorist organization by countries like the US and Canada and the European Union. It aims to destroy Israel, or the Zionist entity, and create an independent Islamic Palestinian state in its place. Hamas considers this region of Palestine as spanning from the Mediterranean Sea in the west to the Jordan River in the east. In other words, the entire state of Israel, not just the disputed territories of the West Bank and Gaza. So Hamas refers to any Israeli presence in the region as an occupation. At the height of their power, ISIS controlled an expansive territory roughly equal to the size of South Carolina, spanning 34,000 square miles across Iraq and Syria. Last year, the group's self-declared caliphate collapsed following several years of international intervention. ISIS was routed from Mosul and their so-called capital in Raqqa, following long, bloody and destructive battles. But despite this, ISIS is far from defeated. So where is ISIS today? In Syria, eight months after US troops helped Kurdish forces recapture Raqqa from ISIS, the group still controls pockets of territory in northeastern Syria and in the middle Euphrates River Valley, along the Iraqi border. In Iraq, where the group first rose to power, it's gone underground, blending back into the population. In several provinces, particularly Anbar, Diyala and Salahuddin, ISIS is regrouping, conducting guerrilla attacks, extorting communities and intimidating... All right. Wow. I can't believe I actually got to use that clip. I'm not going to lie. I put a lot of work into that thing. And it was a little disheartening when Paul convinced me not to post it. And I'm glad I get to post it because I put a lot of work into that. All right. Let me give you a quick summary. The Taliban. So these dudes are back in power in Afghanistan after the 20 years war, which spent like $8 trillion. That in and of itself is ridiculous that after a 20-year war, they're back in power now. Okay, Al-Qaeda. Basically, this was Osama bin Laden's posse. I don't really even think these guys are, are in the mix anymore, obviously with him gone or dead, supposedly. Hezbollah. Again, these guys are based in Lebanon, and they hate Israel. I bet you they're going to get involved here pretty soon, like these guys have said. And I think we'll start hearing more about Hezbollah in the next week or so. And again, remember, Hezbollah is very much against Israel, and so is, so is Hamas. So whereas the Taliban and Al-Qaeda really didn't have vengeance toward Israel, Hezbollah and Hamas absolutely do. And then last but not least, ISIS. ISIS is like a band of misfits. It's like literally a bunch of mercenaries who... They don't care about anything besides money and then killing who they need to kill for money. It's probably like that Wagner group that is like the band of mercenaries uh, in Russia where their leader, Yevgeny, whatever, like supposedly was double-crossing Putin and then they said it's okay. And then again, all of a sudden he died in a plane crash, supposedly. Oh my God, this is 39 minutes right now. 
I have so much more I want to cover. I swear I could go for three hours today easily. All right, I did want to cover that hospital bombing situation, but you know what? We'll do it next episode. All right, everybody, I'm sorry for the long one, but man, there's a lot to this. There really is so much going on. Appreciate everybody. Continue to send me stuff. If you get a chance, give me a review. Check out our Facebook group page, Deep Shallow Dive. It's a fan page or group page, whatever the Facebook calls it these days. We're also on Instagram at Deep Shallow Dive. We're on TikTok at Deep Shallow Dive. Give us a follow. Appreciate that. You can check it out on YouTube. Audio versions of all the podcasts are there. Call a spade a spade. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. This episode was brought to you by Boost Liquid Vitamins. Wake up, take your boost, start your day. Drink your vitamins, build your immune system with Boost. Available on Boost.com.